0: For more than 100 years, the Green Bay Packers have been a benchmark for football excellence. Thousands of players have helped pave the way, and we're here to tell their stories. I'm Wayne Larravee. This is the Packers Alumni Spotlight. In 2006, the Packers selected Darren College in the second round of the draft to play on their offensive line. College came to Green Bay from North Pole, Alaska, by way of the very successful Boise State football program. <laughs> yes, boys and girls, there is truly a North Pole. Yeah, there really is actually a place. I was actually
1: just back uh, a week ago, back for a trip and doing some wine work and, and picking up my father who's retired and, and moving out of Alaska down to Idaho. But, yeah, I still go back to North Pole. We try to get back uh once every other year, but yeah, it's a small town, man. It's a Christmas town, candy cane light poles, uh, the whole nine yards. They've they've bought into it. The Santa Claus house. I went by and saw Santa and Mrs. Claus while I was up there. I did the. I went back as a tourist. I took Tony Mall up for the first time. He'd never been up there, and we did all the touristy stuff and saw the reindeer. And it's a special place. But it was a great small town. It was a
0: great place to grow up as a kid. The Packers' 2006 rookie class included a couple of other offensive linemen in third-rounder Jason Spitz and fifth-rounder Tony Maul. These three young linemen bonded quickly.
1: Yeah, we bonded right away because I think – you're part of the struggle you know you know right away what the challenges are going to be and I think a lot of guys walk into locker rooms they're not going to know a lot of guys or they're they're moving a team or they're getting drafted and there's a bunch of vets around but you know Mark Tauscher and you know Chad Clifton sat all the offensive line down that draft and said hey we're in a situation where we're not offensive linemen there's been a blow up we're changing guys are going to work there's no hazing Uh, let's go out and do a job and let's do it the best we absolutely can and We were able to bond around that. We got a lot of starts as uh, young guys together in the group and, and, you know, guys like Scott Wells and stuff like that. You get to know those guys. You build up something
0: and uh, it became special in a hurry. It did, didn't it? I mean, because by 2007, your second year in the league, you're going to the NFC title game.
1: Yeah. You know, I came from Boise State. We won a lot of games. So I actually, you know, when we came in and started winning games, we needed, you know, we needed the championship game. I'm like, oh, this is what we do. You know, we win, you know, we win championships and, and we go to playoffs and, when we lost the championship game, I actually had a long talk with Jack Lifton about it and Jerry Fontenot at the time, who was our assistant offensive line coach. And uh, he actually helped explain how rare the opportunity really was. And uh, after winning the Super Bowl here and leaving and only making the playoffs you know, one more time after that, I realized how, how uncommon it was to have that special of a group of guys and to be winning games that often really was.
0: You know, it's funny. The coaches hate me when I talk like this um, because coaches believe X's and O's can – Make everything good. Uh, I believe there's something mystical about teams that go to the Super Bowl and win. It always seems like there's
1: something different. The the guys that can execute the X's and O's will be always in a chance to win. But the guys that can do it, Without talking about it, the guys who can do it when relying on the guys around them, the guys who have true trust, what we, what we try to build on the offensive line every single time you're out there, the communication that you have where you're not verbalizing anymore, you're just making it happen, the, the ability to rely on each other and trust each other, you need that across the board. You need an offense that relies on a defense and believes in them fully that they're going to get the job done. The defense can turn around
0: and do the same. Let me ask you this offensive line. I've often felt my years around the NFL, the offensive linemen and that room is closer than any other. I, I understand there's a quarterback's room, there's running backs, there's wide receivers over here, defensive. Back. But the, the offensive linemen to me, they all they seem to be year in, year out, the closest group. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, I I came you know when I left high school as a defensive lineman. I
1: only played offensive line because I came from a town of like 14 people, but when I joined an offensive line, a real offensive line for the first time and got into college, I realized that it was a special relationship. And then the NFL, it was even more special because it was even a smaller group of guys in a smaller group, and the the relationships I made on my offensive line are the relationships I have to this day. J- guys like Jason and Tony, they're they're my friends for uh, for life and we rely on so much unlike anybody else we rely on each other so much to do the job perfect to have any chance of doing your job well that it it creates a special bond you know i played next to uh, to scott wells and 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 chad clifton most of my career and i relied on those guys every single day to do their job without me communicating with it because if they didn't do their job i wasn't gonna be able to do my job and i may be the best offensive line but if my offensive line's terrible then then our whole offensive line is gonna be terrible where you may have you know, five average guys on the offensive line and that's going to be an extremely special group because they know how to work together and
0: they know how to communicate. College and his buddies played on the last Green Bay Championship team in 2010. One that persevered through a deluge of injuries, but that team always felt it was super.
1: I think we felt like we were headed for some special in day one. I mean, we felt like we had the talent, we had the guys, we we had what needed to be done. Then we started to face the injuries, and you start to kind of get the doubters, and for us, we really started to kind of solidify as a group. You know, everybody was kind of quietly whispering in the background that we were dangerous, that there was threats. We may not be who want, you know, people wanted to see in the playoffs. And I think it kind of continued to just build in the locker room, build in the locker room. Like, we knew what we had. We knew if we just had an opportunity, if we just had a chance to get in there, we could probably do something special. And coming in as the last seed, coming in as the underdog, I think just strengthened that in us. And we said, all right, we'll just come from the back. We'll do what, we'll do what nobody else can do or nobody else wants to do. We'll just work work our tail off every single day, we'll come from the back and we'll shoot as the underdogs
0: and we'll just go out and get it done and maybe we'll do something special, and we did. As far as that experience, Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, you've only been a player for one of them. It's probably (laughs) something you'll never forget, right?
1: It is something I'll never forget. I think the most interesting thing is you fly out there, you do the whole week early thing, and you do the press conferences, and it's stuff that you saw when you were a kid. You You remember seeing the press conferences, you remember seeing... The, all the hoopla and the buildup around the Super Bowl. And, and to be a part of that was an amazing thing. And then all of a sudden it's the week of practice and you're getting ready for the Super Bowl. And I remember to this day the very first time I ran out on the field for the very first play of the game, I remember having a conversation with myself like, like oh my God, I'm putting my hand down in the Super Bowl. And then you get hit in the face and it's the first play and all of a sudden it's just football again for, you know, the, the next 60 minutes. But uh, for, for those first few moments coming out of the tunnel and the confetti and, and putting your hand down and being a part of it, it was, uh, it was truly surreal. And then the game happened like that. And then I remembered finding my wife and my father and my mom is in the stands and my family's in the stands. And all of a sudden we were celebrating. And I mean, it felt like it was 10 minutes.
0: After finishing his football career in Arizona and Miami, the veteran lineman turned in his pads and embarked on a military career.
1: Actually, my time here in Green Bay was one of the big things that changed me. Uh, After we won the Super Bowl in 2010, I I traveled overseas with a a bunch of our players and and guys like Pepper Burris. And we went over there and uh, spent a bunch of time with the troops. And after that, I realized that I would spend the rest of my career helping whatever foundation I had. I had done some things with the Wounded Warrior Project and stuff like that before, but I I made a a concentrated effort after that to, to travel with USO and Navy Entertainment and the Wounded Warrior Project and do whatever I could. And uh, I didn't think I would have a chance to have a a career. My brother was an active duty military officer and I didn't think that chance would happen for me. I was too old and, you know, but I retired from the NFL and went back uh, to Boise and settled in and started doing some research and realized that I still had some eligibility left for the Army. And uh, I knew I wanted to serve. I knew I wanted to give back to the community that supported me through college and given me so much. And uh, I went down to the National Guard office. They said, we'd be happy to take you. Uh, Signed me to an eight year deal, which uh, was the longest of my career. And uh, they said uh, we'll take in a heartbeat, and I said all right. So I signed up. I raised my hand and uh, got in. Thirty-seven years old, though you're older (laughs) than most. I am older than most. Absolutely, yeah. I'm one of the older guys, and one of the lowest-ranked guys, which is
0: great. But so I was going to ask about leadership aspect uh, that you bring to the picture from football, the discipline that it takes in football, and the leadership. I get the same feeling that some of those principles are a part of a successful military operation. Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, a lot of people ask. You know, what's the correlation between you know football and, and football in the military? And I tell them, it, it's a lot of the exact same stuff. It's leadership. It's teamwork. It's it's dedication. It's showing up and doing a job every single day the best you can. And uh, I decided to be a non commissioned officer. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to be in a situation where I really want to be in charge of people in in that kind of way because. I felt like with my past that it would, you know, kind of put me in a in a different position. I wanted to go up through the lower ranks. I wanted to to come up from the bottom and up. And I work with a lot of guys that are between the ages of 18 and 30, and I have a chance to uh, to hopefully have an effect on their life and influence them and, and teach them the things that I've learned, you know, as a 35 year old, 36 year old, 37 year old guy working up through the military to try to give them some of the advantages and the advice that maybe you're
0: going to help them, you know, progress through their life. Okay, you've got an eight-year deal that you're working mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Where do you go from here? What, what, what do you continue to do? You've spent a tour of duty in Afghanistan, 11 months.
1: An awesome experience uh, for a lot of reasons. The uh, the chance to uh, to serve, it's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be, uh, I knew I wanted to get off the couch, I knew I wanted to do something that didn't just talk about, you know, what happened over there or what going on, I wanted to actually be over there and I wanted to, to serve. And again, uh, my medevac mission was the easiest one to go over there because, you know, as much as they want, you know, war's a young man's game. You know, young men and women are put in and thrust into positions to do things that most of us couldn't imagine doing on a daily basis. And things happen to them. And uh, I knew that I probably wasn't the best guy to throw at the very front and hike and carry heavy bags and and hike 50 miles a day. But what I could do was uh, use my position as a medevac soldier to bring those guys back and give them a chance to be home. So for, for me, that was super easy. Most of the deployment... Very fortunate, our our, uh, our unit was very not busy, which was great. You know, you want to do your job in the Army, but as a medevac guy, you don't ever want to do your job. So we may sit around for weeks, and then we may have three days of the uh, the worst day of your life. But uh, we brought a lot of guys back. We got a lot of guys back home, and that was, that was absolutely
0: huge. Today, Darren remains close to Jason Spitz and Tony Mall. The trio even has a wine company called Three Fat Guys Wine. <laughs> if you come across a bottle, Pick it up and toast to a -a one-of-a-kind Green Bay Packer who got the most out of his football career and is still getting the best out of life.